Please find your seats. We are going to continue, continue our worship. And Alec is not going to start until I calm you down. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm, uh, I would always love to, to lead off on the first Sunday of the year as, as a pastor, but we've learned through experience that it's not a good idea to have me preach after I've been with my grandkids for a couple weeks. Um, uh, there's it's a bit of a, a legend in our church about that. So, uh, but I'm very delighted that Alec is here and, and, and was willing to step up and, and just allow me the freedom to enjoy uh, my family this week without having to, to prepare. Uh, so thank you, friend. You're welcome. So I'd like to pray, and uh, I'm really excited about, uh, I believe we're going to get a real treat this morning. And uh, let's just invite the... We'll see. <laughs> no pressure. No. <clears throat> so, Lord, we are expectant. We are expectant because you're a good God and you're a good Father and you give good gifts. And thank you for that. One of those good gifts you've given us is Alec. Thank you, Lord, that for the friend he is, for the uh, faithful life that he lives, for, for the husband and the father that he is and, and the brother, Lord, just and, and the teacher. Lord, I thank you that your hand is upon him. And that your word is in him. And uh, so I ask that as part of our worship that you would speak through him today. That we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive and to understand. Empower him, Lord, on this first Sunday of the new year. Lord, just, just tune us, temper us. Just, uh, just uh, uh, whatever you need to do to, to, to get us in fresh tune with that tuning fork, Lord. Just do that work today, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you to come. And as we celebrate communion, just prepare our hearts for that as well. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we use this? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again. That's yours. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Lord, I leave that. Well, that's ironic. Um, thanks for the kind words. I don't really have that much to say today. I don't really. We've got a couple of songs and a poem or something. Basically, I just borrowed everybody else's stuff and put it all together, but that's okay. Um, I guess so, yeah, yeah. These days, parody, that's all we can do. Um, on another note, I hate to tell you, but Christmas is over as of this morning. You might have been tempted to think Christmas was over when all the uh, Boxing Day sales began, but... Uh, according to the church's calendar, this morning marks the end of Christmas. This is our transition out of Christmas and into, you guessed it, Epiphany. <laughs> it's the most epiphanic time of the year. It's beginning to look a lot like Epiphany. Oh, there'll be magi coming with frankincense. Bubbling and myrrh and gold, beer, something. Um, yeah, a little rap, too. We'll, we'll see. There, that's a good one. Anybody else? Come on. Well, this is a side note for, for some of us, but if you're at all interested in these kinds of things, like I increasingly am, 
Um, this is the, the season of the liturgical year. And you can get on the Google and, and uh, find, find something like this if you're interested in it. Whether you knew it or not, actually, we as a church here at VEV really follow the, the um, liturgical calendar pretty closely, particularly when we use those readings before worship and right after worship, the reading from the psalm and, the re and the, usually a reading from the gospel. Those come straight out of the, the lectionary that millions of Christians around the world use to guide their, their service. It's not something we make a big deal out of um, typically, our, um, our sermons aren't, aren't usually tied, like the texts we use for our sermons aren't usually tied to the, the um, lectionary, but this morning it is. You know, we're just going to wrap up some things that we left dangling from the Sunday right before Christmas. Hope you're okay with that. This is the, um, the text for today. Millions of Christians will share this text on Epiphany Sunday today. Matthew 2, uh, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. Uh, somebody else want to read it while I drink some water? Thank you. Rose. Somebody else? Thank you. Continue. Thanks. Let's pray. Lord, we ask by your spirit that you would just um, give us sweet revelation today. <clears throat> Let us be so aware that you are God and we're not. And let us rest in that epiphany. Thank you for this text. And we just pray that it would flower in our hearts. It would bloom and we'd seize it and grab it as something beautiful and worthy of our trust. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Miles was pretty good there, adding a little dramatic element to the Herod's little note, tell me about where he is so I can come worship him too. Do 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 do. Love the nativity version where uh, that, the, the nativity movie, that character that plays Herod is so good. He's got that um, ooh, piercing eyes and yeah, you know he's not interested in, in uh, going to worship. But anyway, 
Uh, just like last time that we were together before Christmas, my aim today really is pretty modest. I wasn't kidding. You know, if you recall the last time we met together, um, all I meant to do was give us some inspiration for meditating on this mystery of the Incarnation. We were invited at that time just to dwell on the greatness of the Christmas mystery. The mystery that God Almighty, creator of all things, should choose to take up residence in our flesh, the flesh of his own creature. And the scripture that we read, if you remember, was just one verse, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so you, through his poverty, might become rich. If you were like me, and I know some of you were, we talked afterwards, you were just marveling at the mystery of God's condescension, his willingness to set aside eternity to invade our sphere of the earthly, his miraculous gift of becoming one of us, all for love's sake, becoming poor. If you have any of those reflections in your memory, they will serve you well today, um, just because Christmas and Epiphany go hand in hand, like Forrest and Jenny, peas and carrots, biscuits and gravy. <laughs> that is, as we turn the corner today into the season of Epiphany, the focus of our attention actually remains the same, but the direction of our gaze is reversed. What I mean is, if Christmas is all about that mysterious, miraculous movement of God's descent to us, Epiphany is about our movement to him in response. If Christmas is about the descent of the divine in the form of a servant, if it's about God's own birth in the baby, Jesus, sleeping in the manger, then Epiphany is about our human response to that fact the fact itself. It's about our beholding this baby in the light of revelation, coming to worship the child and all that his presence means. Or again, in, in other words, if, if the carol that guided us through Advent and into Christmas was that line from Joy to the World, let every heart prepare him room, let earth receive her king, then I guess one of the carols that would guide us into Epiphany is come to Bethlehem and see Christ whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. The passage for today from Matthew's gospel kicks things off with a stark reality of the fact itself. He says Matthew's gospel starts in chapter 2 with Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Boom. All of history has been divided between that moment of before and after. The wedding of heaven and earth is realized in Jesus and this is one etch-a-sketch that can't be undid, home skillet. <laughs> Everything else that humanity has to say or do will always be in re the reality of that response to what happened at Christmas, the revelation of God in Jesus. So, like I said, all I'm really concerned to do is to, to piggyback on all those ideas and provoke us to respond. To do so, I just want to suggest that we read this passage from Matthew, we read the movement of the wise men as a pattern of our Christian existence in the church, a pattern that winds up being pretty simple, following and worshiping, following the signs of revelation as wanderers still on the way to our final destination, but because of Christmas, worshiping 
because he has called us together, assembled us in his presence, and made manifest that here in Jesus, we already behold the fullness of God's revelation, following and worshiping. Um, But first things first. Epiphany means revealing, manifestation. And if you think about how we typically use the word, you know, like, oh, I just had an epiphany. You get the sense that it's, it's an experience where something you couldn't have known before suddenly and unexpectedly smacks you in the head and everything's different. Even though, strangely, nothing around you has changed. Epiphanies are kind of like jokes in this way, where the surface of the words don't immediately reveal their depth underneath The humor can have a tendency to sneak up on you. That's why some people, you know, just some people, take a bit longer to get jokes. (laughs) Of course, you know what I'm talking about. I wondered. (laughs) Thank you, Gordy. I wondered why the baseball kept getting bigger, and then it hit me. Atheism is a nonprofit organization. The midget fortune teller who escaped from prison was a small medium at large. (laughs) If you're a newcomer to any language, the jokes you hear in that language will drive you nuts. Because you might actually have a pretty good grip on the meaning of words, you know, vocabulary. You might have a pretty good grip on the functional language. But it's those layers of meaning and suggestion that make a joke funny or not funny, depending on how you look at it. Thank you, Kenny. (laughs) Was that the first one? (laughs) Okay, that's great. Mind bombs. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Yeah. It could be three hours later and then it hits you. It's okay. We're all doing, we're all on a journey. Yeah. How about these things? I know. You remember these being popular? In fact, I think I had a few books of these magic eye puzzles. People had posters of them on their walls and everything. They're but ugly to look at. I mean, on, on their own, they're not that interesting, to be perfectly honest. But they are at least a good example of an invitation to epiphany, if you want to take the time. And you like giving yourself a headache. You could stare at this mumbo-jumbo for 20 minutes, and eventually you may or may not see the outline of a race car or something. Anyway... Thank you. Here's where I'm going with all these examples. The language of hope and expectation, that language, the vocabulary of promise that we used at Advent, our longing for God himself to come to us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Well, it happened at Christmas. Christmas happened. It's over. And now the whole world spends a short time of the year sending each other little pieces of paper like this or this or this or this this. And Epiphany is a giant cattle prod asking, so what? Does anybody get it? It's hardly a joke, but do you get it? Do you get him? Like the wise men who left everything they had to follow this star and then seeing him there, smaller than he, they expected, can we bow down before him because here is revealed to us the face of God. 
But speaking of wise men, just a few comments. Uh, there's a lot of conjecture about who the wise men were, how many there, there were, and what their names were, and what their gifts mean, and all of that. But it's, it's at least certain that they were genuine seekers. They lived in Arabia, and were probably, scholars think, Zoroastrian um, astrologers. And they'd acquired some information about the prophecies of Israel, especially, it seems, the one in Micah that we read um, in our text today. We could go back to it, but basically the, the text from Micah that says a ruler comes from Bethlehem in the land of Judah to shepherd the people Israel. After seeing that star of Bethlehem rising in the east, they took it as a sign of the king's birth, and they came to worship him. What's interesting is that in the eyes of the church, um, traditionally, these magi have come to represent certain things. In the first place, Gordy already mentioned it. They are Gentiles, which means in some sense, this gift of Jesus is even here already the fulfillment of Israel's own calling. It's no accident that we've read these words already from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Rise up in splendor, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has shine, shines upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Because the whole point of God's election of Israel was to bless the nations. In fact, the, the consonants goes even deeper because the next verse, uh, um, verse 6, talks about them bringing their riches, the, the riches of the nation coming to the king. Here we are. The gift of salvation to all humanity is manifest. All of humanity, not just Israel. It's revealed. And they are coming. Of course, the lowly shepherds of Bethlehem have already come, but now even the wise and the wealthy from Gentile far-off lands are coming. Yeah, some of these images are just either bizarre or really fun to look at, you know. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's just one part. The, the, the church has always, has traditionally read the Magi as coming um, as the gift of Israel's true blessing. But secondly, like I already mentioned, besides being just Gentiles, the church has also seen the journey of the Magi as something of her own story, the church's own story, as the pilgrim people of God. That is, the, the arrival of the wise men is simply the beginning just the start of a journey that will include all of humanity, including us here in this morning, assembling to worship Jesus. For at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. Now, I know I used um, Lucy Shaw last time we were together, but it's good. She's composed so many awesome poems that focus on this time of year that I want to read you another one called Star Song. I think it helps connect a lot of these ideas that I'm hoping can be married in your heads. In the afterglow of Christmas, with all its carols and songs, she's really trying to inspire us to realize our calling as the church, not just to come and worship, but to actually reflect the light that has come. We have been having epiphanies like suns all this year long, and now at its close, when the planets are shining through frost, light runs like music in the bones, and the heart keeps rising at the sound of any song. <laughs> 
An old magic flows at the silver calling of a bell, rounding high and clear, falling, falling, sounding the death knell of our old year, telling the new appearing of Christ, our morning star. Now burst all our bell throats, toll every clapper tongue, stun the still night. Jesus himself gleams through our high heart notes. It is no fable. It is he whose light glistens in each song sung and in the true coming together again to the stable of all of us, shepherds, sages, his women and men, common and faithful, wealthy and wise, with Carolyn hearts, and suddenly stars in our eyes. I love that last line, because it defies any attempt to make this cutesy. She's not being sentimental about stars in our eyes. She's pointing to the fact that the church, the assembly of rich and poor, of shepherd and wise man, and so on, as the body that he has gathered and called unto himself, is called to bear Christ to the world. Which is somewhere where we landed last time, right? We reflected on the fact that worship transforms us more and more into the light that has come. But because we're weak and fallen, we will always be following, even if some of us are able to say, like Paul to the Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. Suddenly, stars in our eyes. You know, and um, to be pretty blunt, I can tell you specifically the names. I think this is one of the beauty of God's work through the church. I can tell you the names of people who have been stars to me, uh, that I saw stars in their eyes, and I followed them straight to the presence of Christ. I'm sure you can too. The church is comprised of those who reflect the glory and the light of God to the rest of the world. And last time we were together, we reflected on the fact that we can only love the world in the way we're called to if we're actually those who have received him in the way he comes to us, in the way he condescends to us, to serve us. That the meaning of the incarnation, the meaning of Christmas, is that miracle that he takes our flesh so he can break it for our sake. It's such a lucky bonus to me to realize we're receiving communion today You'd think those things would be intentional, but they're not. You prep a sermon, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, this is great. This is exactly what I would hope would happen. Because nothing so tangibly communicates the way we are called to serve the one we follow and to follow the one we serve as communion. Which, on that note, I'm almost done today. We are a bit early. That's okay. But I wanted to, um, to leave, you, leave some time here at the end. I didn't know how long it would take. I wanted to leave some time to listen to another song by that same band I used last time. I used Lucy today, I used Lucy last time, used Ordinary Time uh, last time. I'm going to use it today too. They're a group of former Regent people who made a, made a band and, and they make some really beautiful music together. Um, and the song I want to play, I think, perfectly captures the mystery of both Christmas and Epiphany in one. I've been really overwhelmed with it lately, partly because of the chorus. The chorus says, uh, your burdens are light, but your blessings are heavy, which when you have kids, it feels like, yeah, okay, 
That word blessing, children are a blessing from God, it's a loaded word. Like. <laughs> Epiphany. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and, sorry? Okay. Character. It'll sink in eventually. Um, but thank you. That's, that's how it starts. It's, okay. It's written from the perspective of Peter, the fisherman, called to follow. Who exactly? And that's what we were wrestling with last time. Who is this? You know, if anything, this is a song of epiphany. As Peter questions the identity of the one he's following. He knows that something's been revealed to him that he must follow, but he can't possibly have seen what it would all mean. And I find this really encouraging as a Christian because we think that there's an all-or-nothing element to our, our salvation, to our path of redemption, to our sanctification. It's not an all-or-nothing thing. This is a journey, and we only respond to what we've received. We can't receive it all. That's, that's hope, by the way. I'll stop talking because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the song for you. But I think it. I think it really does powerfully wrap up a lot of the ideas we've been dealing with over Advent, Christmas, and today too. Okay, Mark, you can play it.
but your blessings are heavy, almost too weighty to bear. As a hook in this meal, to receive is to follow. Like a fish hangs dry, stroked by the lash, the taunts, the sun broken to feed a much deeper need than we Not even alone in lonely death. A net from the deep is rising beneath me now.
It's funny in some way that after all these years, we're still asking ourselves, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? And we're still asking because the depth of his meaning, the depth of his mystery is inexhaustible. We'll never stop following and worshiping because we'll never get it fully. We'll never get him in his fullness. We're all still learners in this language, the language of heaven. So the epiphanies just keep coming. But it seems they only come to those who are foolish enough to follow. If the challenge for us at Christmas was summed up in the carol, Let Earth Receive Her King, the challenge of Epiphany is this. Rise up in splendor, the light has come, the morning star has risen upon us. Follow and worship. There's a hook in this meal. To receive is to follow. Let's pray. Thank you, sweet spirit, for calling us into your body, into salvation, uh, into the mystery of the unknown, but for giving us just enough that we need to respond and know you are good, you are holy, you are the true God, you are wholly worth following. We can fully place our trust in you, even without knowing where we are going. Lord, I pray that you would inspire each heart here today to not be settled with the history of Christmas, but let that epiphany moment be ours continually. Let us have continual epiphanies like the sunrise every day. Your mercies are new every morning. You're not the one who's reluctant to draw us ever more fully into yourself. So I pray that we'd be, we'd be given the courage and the strength to say yes, to receive you, to follow, and to worship. And I pray you'd prepare our hearts now for receiving this meal, to be transformed by you, by taking you in. We love you, we worship you, we honor you, and we adore you. And we come on bended knees to praise you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Alec. <clears throat> just uh, in the spirit of Matt's request, I just want to bless those parents that would like to have their children participate in this to go and sign them out and bring them. I'd like to invite those that are serving, if you could come and just prepare to serve communion. There's a hook in this meal. I love that. Well, kind of. <laughs> Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. I just read that this week, I think, in my devotions. And I think there's something about following Jesus that is innately not esoteric and individualistic and about my own spiritual higher experience. There's something about following Jesus that's about others. Follow me and I will make you 
fishers of people. Yeah, just uh, maybe just move right over to the front of that aisle. We're going to use that. I just want to bless it. So there's something about the very life of God as we participate in the life of God that makes us about others because that's what God is like. God's life is for, he's for others. That's, that's the essence of his existence. The Trinity lived that way before anything was created. And then everything they created, they included them in that circle of love, that circle of being others. So when you participate in the life of, of Jesus, you're, when you say, I will follow Jesus, you are saying, Lord, I will participate in your life given for others, whatever that looks like. So as we uh, enter this new year with the breaking of bread, I'd like us to ask the question, in light of this, in light of this, uh, there's a hook in this meal. What does following Jesus mean for, for me this year? What does that mean? Just ask the Lord that question today as you participate and in the coming days. What, is, what does that mean? Lord, show me the star that I need to see to lead me to that, that little babe in Bethlehem. Lead me. So let's stand together. The Bible says that the, the Lord Jesus, that the same night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. God has given us this beautiful gift of the sacrament to heal our spiritual amnesia. The biggest problem of the people of God in history has been a spiritual amnesia. We keep forgetting. And so he, he gives us these symbols. He gives us these tangible means to remember. Not just with our mind, but with our hearts and our, be, our whole being. To be a people of memory. Not to be a people without memory. Because the people without memory have lost their identity. They've lost who they are, where they've come from, and where they're going. And then it says, after supper, he took the cup, and he blessed it, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so I want to invite every person here today that says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he died on the cross for my sins. If you believe that, you're invited to come. If you're here today and you're not sure, but there's a struggle in your heart, I believe that God gives this as a means of grace by responding to the epiphany. If the Holy Spirit has touched you today and there's something in your heart that says, yes, I want to follow, and even if it's the very first time, or maybe it it's just hasn't been for a long time, you can return to him through this communion table. So we want to open wide that invitation for those of you that are returning today as well. And so we, we, uh, we bless you to come. We form an aisle, a, a, a kind of a line down this aisle here. And then you can go back and, and just pray with one another. We encourage that, one another in prayer. You can pray as a family. You can pray with friends. Or if you're not sure who to... Who to have pray for you, you can just stay in this area and, and one of our elders or prayer team will come and pray for you.
Fair enough? So Lord bless you as you come and receive the body and the blood of Christ.